You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York. A community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. You don't encounter him, then I didn't do anything. Um, man, what a blessing to be here. I love your pastor and his wife, Jacqueline. You are spe- you, you, you are just really blessed, folks. I, I'm just... Uh, you, you really are. It's just, I'm, I'm up here arguing with myself. You hit that song, and I've been assigned to Scripture. Uh, doesn't happen often, um, but I've been assigned to Scripture, and I'm sitting here arguing with myself whether to obey it or disobey it. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm sifting through, so I'm just waiting. You just keep tickling those, and I'll stay right in there, okay? <laughs> Bring me a minstrel that I may hear from God, right? Second Kings, just bring me a minstrel. I, we may just have to. So I'm trying to hear that. So I love your pastor and his wife. It's an honor to be here. I'm with my beautiful wife. We, we've been married a little while, 41 years. So, uh, and, I have a daughter and a husband that live over at um, Holmes, and they're sitting back there in the back, and there's uh, they got a couple of my grandchildren here, so Ashley, and it's just it's special to be with them right before Christmas. I've been spoiling grandbabies, so you just, uh, uh, I've pastored for a little bit, uh, just a little bit. I love pastoring, so just, uh, man, what do I do? And after this, I will return, and I will build the tabernacle of David. You ever had that favorite place? Grandma's house was that favorite place to me. I love going to Grandma's house. She made pecan pie and banana cream pie with meringue on the top of it. My, 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 my. That's why at 55 I had to go on a diet. But you, ever, you got that favorite place? He said, David's tent was my favorite place. And when I come back, I'm going to rebuild that simple little place. And I'm going to live in the atmosphere of a relationship, not in the atmosphere of religion, but in the atmosphere of relationship. I'll make my home. I just want you to know that the most important thing you do on Sunday morning is create an atmosphere for the presence of God to be welcome, to make room for him to sit down in here. Did I bother you by coming down? Is that creating a problem? I apologize. Wow. I just want to encourage you to keep creating that. I love it when you get real loud and then you go real soft. I'm serious. We can get real intense, then you can make room for that sweetness this morning. Just keep making room. All righty. Enough horse around. I have surrender. And now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius of Caesar, Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea, Herod being the Tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, the Tetrarch of Aturia and the region of Tacronitis and Lysinitis, the Tetrarch of Abilene. And while Ananias and Caphias were the high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. 
And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Touch your neighbor and say, make room. I have one word for you, Salem, this morning, and that is make room. God wants in. He wants in. He wants in. He wants in. He wants into your depression. He wants into your distractions. He wants into every area of your life. He doesn't want you to visit him on Sunday morning. He wants to habitate in your heart, in your mind, in your hands, in your walk, in your family, in your schools. He wants in. I hear the Lord saying this morning, make room. Services here are going to get a little longer. I had one amen. Everybody else went, oh my God. You see, God doesn't want a visitation. He wants a habitation. He doesn't want visiting rights. He wants full custody of your life. He wants everything, not just a little dab. He wants all of it. And he said, I have been sent to tell you, make way. John the Baptist heralded out. He said, you better look out. Jesus is right here. He'd been in hiding for about 30 years, but he was born three, four months after I was born, and he's about to break into your world. Salem, you're about to break into a whole new world. You have a very rich history. I love your history. You have very rich history, but you need to understand you're not bound to your history. History is nothing but the launching pad of the future that God has already envisioned for you. Get ready. This is not an end time word. I apologize if you've been misled, Bill. This is not about the apocalyptic end of the world. It's about now God's about to break into every area of your life. As I was praying about coming here, I was praying about giving a prophetic word. And Pastor Bill said, do you mind preaching out of Luke 3? It's the gospel. Read for this. And I said, oh, no, not at all, since God had already told me to tell you to make room. I thought, wow, Bill must hear from the Lord. Ask me to preach on the prophetic text in which I had been given. Prepare the way. Make way. Get out of the way, for God's sakes. I I mean, if I was going to say it in Kansas vernacular, it'd be move it. I've noticed you drive like that, too. Just get out. Just get out of the way. This is God's house. Just get out of the way. The Lord wants to tabernacle with you a moment. He said, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley will be filled. Every mountain hill will be brought low. And the crooked places will be made straight, and the rough ways will be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the foundation or the salvation of the foundation of the Lord. Say with me, pull it down. Just say it, pull it down. Pull it up. Straighten it out. Smooth it out. Listen, it's been too hard to find Jesus. 2,000 years, we got more denominations than. We need to pull down the obstructions that have kept people from slipping into the presence of God. We need to pull up the valleys that have tripped people up. We need to straight. Listen, it isn't that hard. Jesus is 
Lord, it isn't that hard. He died on a cross. He rose again. He's seated. He's coming again. We need to stop this religious conversation and just recognize John the Baptist said, pull down those mountains of theology. Pull up those valleys of division. Quit, oh man, make it a straight way. Quit making it hard for flesh to see the salvation of God. Make it clear. He said, you better get ready. Somebody's coming out of the wilderness in a moment. And he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Son of God is about to step out of the darkness and come into the world that he created. Happy Advent. We've been waiting too long for the revivals of the last days. We've been waiting too long. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm way past hungry for a move of God. I'm way past it. And John the Baptist breaks on the scene, and he says, you get ready. Advent is all about getting ready. Advent is all about expecting the unexpected. God doing something. We've, have any of you ever waited on anything? I waited on her to say yes. I waited on... You don't even know what I'm talking about. You, for, you, listen. I'm old, but I'm not dead. I, I wait. But waiting for the kids to come, waiting for the kids to go, waiting to pay off the house, waiting for the kids to come back. Just waiting. Don't you get tired of just the wait is over. Prepare the way. He's about to step in. Oh, you better look out. I feel at home. Uh, it's a new day. It's a new time. Jesus steps in. And B.C. is gone. And A.D. is here. And all of time changes. We're not marking time now by Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, Columbus Day, President's Day. No, we're marking time by Advent. He's coming. He has come. He died. He rose. He's coming again. We live life by a new time, not by the time of the world. Prepare the way. The time is changing. The church should be announcing that times changed when Jesus came. There was a new day, a new hope. And if you don't understand that story, <sighs> touch your name and say, the wait is over. That's what John was saying. The wait is over. Make room. God's coming in. God's coming into our homes, into our lives, in a fresh ways. Make room. Zach and Liz. You got to get Zach and Liz. Luke opens his gospel with the story of Zach in the temple. And they, they're 50, 60 years old. They moved out in the hill country to get away from the criticism of being barren. Zach and Liz, the priest, is in the temple and he is praying. And they're, they're out in the wilderness in the hill country of Judea because of the disfavor and the disgrace of not having had a child for the last 40 years. Have you ever been disgraced because something didn't happen that everybody thought ought to happen and it be normal, but you didn't do, and so you, you moved out? Have you ever had anybody give you advice while you're waiting? I, I, it's just like, I need a job. Have you tried online? Yes, I've tried online. 
Sometimes the advice you get from friends is worse than waiting. I'm waiting on a spouse. Have you tried eHarmony? Yeah! How about backpacking through Europe? Uh huh. And Zach and Liz have been waiting. And finally, they move into the country so they don't have to listen to the advice of their neighbors. And Zachariah is in the temple and he is praying. And while he is praying, Gabriel shows up. This is the way Luke begins the Gospels. And while he is praying, Gabriel shows up on the right hand and says, Your prayer is heard. Say with me, my prayer is, doesn't say has been, it is. That means Zach was standing there still praying for a child. After 40 years, I'd have given up. I mean, the gospel of Luke begins with the priest who's 60's prayer being heard for a child. Your prayer is heard. Men, you ought to keep praying that prayer. No matter how long it takes, you ought to keep praying the same prayer. Some people give up praying after two weeks. And Zach understood, just keep praying for a son. Just keep praying for a child. Keep praying for descendants. Keep praying for a generation after this generation. Keep praying for it to go further than it did in my life. I want something that outlives me. I want a child to carry on the your prayer is heard, not has been, it is heard. And you're going to have a child named John. See, if you don't know this story, you don't get Luke 3. You're going to have a child named John. And I love Zach at this moment. I, I get him. He's from Missouri. <laughs> How will this happen? I'm well advanced doesn't say old. He said well advanced. How many of you are, I'm not old, I'm just well advanced. It means mature. <laughs> how is this? God doesn't like it when you ask him how. If you ask him how, he'll tell you who. Mary will ask him in a minute and he'll say the Holy Spirit. He'll come to Joseph and say, it's of the Holy Spirit. See, when you know the who, you don't care about the how. Some of you need to quit asking how, because if you know the who, the how will take care of it. And he said, Zach, you talk too much. And he said, you're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to say anything. You ever seen a preacher that's been cursed with being mute? Me either, thank God. Can you imagine Zach going home trying to flirt with his 57-year-old wife and he can't talk? Can't tell anybody. That was that she conceived. She kept it hidden. In the latter part of Luke chapter 1, Gabriel visits Mary, but only after she's visited Zach. Interesting that Gabriel visits Zachariah before he visits Mary. And when Mary conceives, she runs to her aunt's house out in the hill country to see Elizabeth, the old woman who's pregnant, a little further along. 
getting the story. And, and as Mary walks up to her aunt, it says the baby in her womb went, Oh, looky there! The one we've been waiting on. You have to get this. The child that Zach and Liz were waiting on said, There's the one you're really waiting on. Oh, you didn't get it. What you've been praying for is not the point. I'm going to answer your prayer because the answer to your prayer is going to point out my son. And from the womb, John the Baptist found his purpose to bring attention to the Christ. Did you get it? And so in Luke 3, we hear John going, make way. Because from the womb, John the Baptist was going, that's the one. Amen. From the beginning of his life before it began, Liz and Zach's son knew that his entire job, the purpose of his existence, was to say, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Make room for him, Mom and Dad. That's what you've really been waiting for. That's what you've really been praying for. The, the, the wait of the last 40 years is nothing compared to the creation that waits in eager expectation for the son that is being born. Merry Christmas. Mm. The, see, if you know the whole story, it's easier to celebrate Christmas. It's easier to make room. But God will generally come into your life through the answer of your own personal prayer in order to reveal to you that He's doing something bigger than what you've been personally praying for. Am I making sense yet? And so the baby, the Christ, and this John the Baptist that is declaring the presence of the Lord, his... Hmm. If you'd like to accept the assignment this morning, I would suggest that the work of the church is to echo John the Baptist. I'd like to suggest this morning, Salem, that your job in Hudson Valley is to point out the Christ, is to be the light. That John the Baptist actually gives the job description for us who follow. Draw attention to the one that was born in Bethlehem. Draw attention to the one that was on the cross. Draw attention to the one that's seated on the throne. Draw attention to the one that's coming again. For Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. The mystery of our faith is that we are announcing to the world, make room, God wants in. Are you still with me? And so this morning, in the midst of our waiting, Maybe we ought to understand that our wait really is over. That His presence is heaven to me. That He came in Bethlehem and that on Pentecost He comes into my heart. You're about ready to start Advent and you celebrate the birth of the Christ in the flesh. And next May or June, you'll celebrate the coming of His Spirit into your... And we look forward to the return. 
But you are the people that live in between, heralding Christ has come. Uh, am I? And that his presence is heaven today. That in his presence there is joy and pleasure and fullness. In his presence there is safety and gladness. In his presence there is refreshing. That one day with the Lord is like a thousand elsewhere. That my heart thirsts for the Lord as a deer thirsts. One thing I desire, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, that today He is with me and I live in His presence. That in His presence there is this peace that passes understanding. That this Prince of Peace that brings that the war is over. That He is for me and not against me. And I, am I? Merry Christmas. He's the hope of the world, and this morning we celebrate He's the peace of the world. And that in the midst of the distractions and the disturbances and the depressions of life comes this beautiful one, born of a woman. And my job this morning is to tell you, make room. He wants into your life in a fresh way in a new way, in a, in a way that maybe you haven't allowed yourself to experience before. Hmm. Some of you are well advanced and some of you are only beginning, but, but today could be a fresh start. interesting to me how the birth of Jesus is so complicated. I mean, we're not going to use men. Boy, that's, that's, that's humbling to a man that he didn't need us. I mean, it's so complicated, right? Virgin birth. Isaiah had seen it 700 years before. There's going to be a virgin birth. So God knew what he was going to do. He knew that he was going to break in and answer Zach and Liz's prayer. He knew that, he, he knew that but he forgot to make a hotel reservation. Seriously. In other words, I think that the way he was born says something to us about what Stephanie was saying earlier, and that is it's been a hard week. God always waits for the most difficult seasons of life to come into. He lets it be cold, and he lets there be no reservation. And he, I, I mean, if you think about it, he said, hey, Moses, we're going to go over there, and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But FYI, he's not going to listen. Gee, thanks. Here's the word, but that guy's never going to pay attention. Could we make it a little more difficult? I mean, John the Baptist is prophesying while Caesar and Pontius and Caiaphas and... I mean, ew, that was bad leadership. I just want you to understand that in the midst of the worst leadership that Jerusalem had ever been under, the word of the Lord comes. So in the midst of the most difficult time in your life, am I touching anybody here yet? The, the week has been horrible. It's stressed out. It's bad. That's a great time. I mean, think about it. 
Why couldn't we go around the Red Sea? Why did we have to go through it? I mean, the valley of the shadow of death, could we fly over? They fly over Kansas. Why couldn't we fly over? My point being is John comes into hard times. He comes into difficult seasons. And he said, right there, right there. Because when it's hard and difficult and you're in that moment, it, it's hard to hear good news. I mean, I want to curl up, put my thumb in my mouth and leave me alone. Don't give me a prophecy of hope and peace and joy in the midst of my pity part. But I'm telling you, God's coming into your most difficult season and he's saying, remove the barriers. Remove the boundaries. I want to take you beyond anything you've ever asked, thought, or imagined. I'm going to take you into a new season and into a new experience. And I know it's hard to imagine in the season of hardship, but, but I'm about to do it. My grandson and I have been playing this little game. He loves playing it. And he always wins. Get ready. Get set. Go. John the Baptist comes in and says, Get ready. Because there's one coming after me who will not baptize you in water, but will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And as he is, so will you be in this world and greater things will you do because God himself has come into your life on your mark. Get ready. Get. Woo. Christmas is about get ready. Because the baptism of fire. And I hope I'm at home. For you're going to speak with new tongues. You're going to pick up serpents. You're going to drink deadly stuff. And you're going to, oh, signs and wonders are going to follow those who believe. And you may even have to, you, for I will teach you things you've never known. I will show you things you've never seen. I'll take you beyond the stars. For Christ is born. Christ has died and he is coming again and he lives in your heart. Don't let this fool you. shall we do then? Prepare the way. And, and then he goes into Luke 3, the bottom. Sorry, it's next week's test. You asked me, John, here we go. I'm going to preach the whole thing. What shall we do if the Lord is coming? How do we prepare the way? He said, you got two coats? You give them one. If you're a tax collector, you be content with what's fair. If you're a soldier, you'll be just. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make room. 
give, give, give one of your coats away. Don't take more than what you're supposed to. And be just. That's how we make Rome. We live lives that are holy and fair and just and kind and considerate. We speak good of one another. We encourage one another. We sell flowers to raise $10,000, $12,000. We, we, we clothe somebody that's need clothing. We, we're, we're kind. We believe the best. We don't jump into the rhetoric of the world. We stay out of the world because this is our time. Are you listening? Say with me, I'll give it away. I'll be content with what I have. And I'll be just. That's how you make room. Salem. Beacon. That's how you make room for God to sit down here on this corner in this little place. That you might be known as the people that make room for the presence of God. That you might be known as the people that linger and wait on His presence. That you might be known as the people who give are content and just. That you might be known as those people who are going, Mom, that's the one. While I'm pregnant with what I've been waiting for, the answer to my 40-year prayer is in my womb. And the answer to that prayer is going, Hey, Mom, that's what you've really been waiting for. That your belly is full of the promise that you've wanted. Let this promise point out that promise. And <laughs> We are people that are pregnant with the answers that God has given to us. But those answers decrease. Oh, I don't have time. I must decrease that he might increase from the womb. John the Baptist knew that he must decrease, that he might increase to live a life humbled, vulnerable, to live that life, that life of humility where God can raise you up and say, you're this man, John, he's the greatest prophet. Oh, even better than that. He's the greatest messenger. Oh, that's how the Lord would describe his cousin. Beacon, may you be known as the people that announce that the presence of God is in Beacon. May you be known. Now let me tell you, you're not going to be the biggest. You're not going to be the best. Don't you get arrogant. You just fulfill your role. That's right. That's right. You just fulfill your role and your part. And then you'll slip off the scene. Am I making sense? John did his part and then he just slipped over. But you can still hear him. Make room. Make room. Make a way in your heart, in your mind, 
in your hands, in your mouth, in your feet, in your marriages, in your families, where you go to work in the morning, in this church. Are you, did you get it? There's so much I want to say to you. My question might come to this. Are you waiting to give your life to the Lord? Why? Are, are, are you waiting to confess a sin? Why? Are, are you waiting to give an offering? Are, are you waiting for healing? Are you waiting to get over a divorce? There is life after divorce. Contrary to what people around you are saying, I'm here to tell you there is. Are you waiting for a spouse? Hmm. My question this morning is why are you waiting? The wait is over. Because Luke chapter 4 says that Jesus steps out of the wilderness and goes, I'm here. This morning, the Lord is here for you. He's here to receive you. I asked pastor, I said, is it, is it, is it appropriate for me to tell you these altars are open? And then I watched you. You're a radical people. <laughs> so I got a couple of questions for you. If you want to receive Christ in your heart and you want this to be the best year you've ever had, now's the moment to stand up. If you've been living in guilt with an unconfessed sin, now's the moment to stand up. If you've been waiting to receive a healing, now's the moment to stand up. If you've been waiting for God to get you over a disappointment, a divorce, a loss of a loved one, now's the moment to stand up. If you've been waiting for God to bless you financially or give you a spouse, now's the moment to stand up. If you've been waiting to get full of joy, now's the moment to stand up. If you've been waiting on God to give you a victory, now's the moment to stand up. If you've been waiting on something, now's the time to stand up and say, my wait is over. I'm giving my life to the Lord. I'm opening my life up to more than He has ever done before. My, I'm making room in my life this morning. I'm making room. Now I'm going to prophesy to you again. Services could get a little longer. The prayer could get a little louder. There might be people jumping around for joy in the parking lot and not in the front. I think this is wonderful. I was raised with... But I tell you what, it really does my heart good when I'm out in public and I see people go, Pastor, I'm full of joy even in the midst of... 
You might have to see one another in the shopping mall and go, hey, make room. You, you might have to look across the restaurants and make way. I'm, I, Jesus is coming through. Oh, you're not. Not quite that radical, huh? I remember standing in front of a reindeer who had a bobbing head in the mall. And I'm standing there and there's all these people behind me. And the Lord said, praise me. I said, I will in a minute. <laughs> he said, I want you to praise me. I said, okay, okay, okay. He said, I thought you were hungry. I said, I am, I am. He said, now. Ask her. I went, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for coming in. I mean, I swear to you, the mechanical <laughs> reindeer went. <laughs> Don't be bashful. Okay? Can I pray for you? Hey, thanks for being a lovely, lovely group of people and making me feel at home. I love you. I love your pastor. I love your pastor's wife. I, I love what I feel when I step in here. Hope we get to share a little life together in the future. Really do. Hope we get to. But if, if, if you don't hear anything else I say, hear me say, make room for the presence of God in a fresh way. And 2019 will be the best year you ever had. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle Podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.